To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. Now, as I begin, I want to go back just a minute. We are, we are actually in a crisis. We know that. And we're, we're having a, a time trying to defeat a, an enemy. And last week, and I don't, I'm not going to be referring back to my sermons every week, but last week I was talking about the hope that we have and the hope that we should have in getting past this time and the hope that we should have in Jesus Christ, and especially in relationship to the plague of sin. And I mentioned then, and, and uh, we, we looked at it from the Scriptures, I mentioned that, that Jesus Christ brought the antivirus and the anti-vaccine, or the vaccine for the, the uh, plague of sin. And that, that He has the cure for sin that has de- devastated us so badly and is still uh, raging among humanity. And His cure and His vaccine is found in his blood. And Bonnie said, well, Bill, why didn't you tell them how to get in touch with the blood? How do you get the blood applied? And I, I, I just assumed, and I, I probably shouldn't have, but I just assumed that you knew. That you knew that in order to have the vaccine, in order to have the cure in the blood of Jesus Christ, that you had to believe that he was the Son of God. And that, that you had to confess his name. And that in order to get in touch with his blood, you were baptized into Jesus Christ. Your heart was sprinkled from an evil conscience. And your body was washed with pure water. But I didn't say that last week, but I, I just got through saying it. So, so you know. And, uh, and we all, of course, we all know that that's, that's exactly the way that that happens. I did have a, a question this last week from uh, an individual wondering whether or not we had to be baptized. And he, the, the question he asked basically was, does a believer have to be baptized? And uh, someone who's, who's, who believes in Jesus Christ. And I said, well, anybody who believes in Jesus Christ will certainly do the commandments that God gave and God commanded us to be baptized. So anyway, with that out of the way, what I'd like for you to do is get your Bible out. Open it up. You surely have a Bible at home, and you can get to it and open it up, and open it up to the book of Psalms and chapter 30. When you open your Bible, if you just open it in the middle, you're probably going to get to the book of Psalms if you open it just in the middle. And I'd like you to look in Psalms chapter 30. That's the text that was read, and that's the text we're going to look at. And I want to make a few comments about the book of Psalms before we get too far along. First of all, David is the one who wrote the majority of the book of Psalms. Moses wrote some, and the chief musician wrote some, but David is the is a preponderant writer of the book of Psalms. We know who David is. He's one of the most outstanding individuals, probably the most outstanding individual in the Bible, except for Jesus Christ. Abraham was also an outstanding individual because Abraham was the father of the faithful that was promised. He was promised that through him all nations of the earth would be blessed. 
And so he's mentioned prominently. But David is mentioned more than any others. Now, David was, in the Bible, he was said to be a man after God's own heart. When you read, and this, this is found in Acts chapter 13, verse 22, and in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, when God sent Samuel looking for a king for his people, he wanted to find a man that was after his heart. And so he found David. Now, David, in writing the Psalms, as you read them, you will find that the, the expressions you read in the book of Psalms are expressions basically from David that are very personal. Now, if you didn't, didn't know that before, as you read it now, understand that David is talking to the Lord in the preponderance of times that you read the book of Psalms. If he's not talking directly to the Lord, he's telling us about the Lord. If he's not telling us about the Lord, he is, telling, he is asking things from the Lord. And he's trying to encourage us to do things for the Lord. In other words, David is, is going to be asking the Lord to hear him. He's going to be asking the Lord to save him, to hasten, to get, get in a hurry and, and help him. He's going to be telling us that he wants to sing about the Lord. He's going to want to praise the Lord. He's want to, he wants to give thanks to the Lord. He wants everybody else to join with him. So David is actually, in the book of Psalms, to a great extent, he's talking to God. And we are listening to what he's saying. And it, it kind of reminds me, if, if you have ever heard of the fellow by the name of Charles Schultz, he wrote the, he wrote the cartoon called Peanuts. Charles Schultz was a believer. He believed in God. And oftentimes, his cartoons reflected his faith in God. And I remember one in particular that, that I think applies here. And that is that, that uh, it was Lucy and, and, and uh, Charlie that were talking. And, and uh, Lucy asked him, Charlie Brown, she said, Have you read the epistles of Paul? Now, before I answer that question, let me, let me just mention this. That in the New Testament, the New Testament is made up of four books, New Testament books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that tell about Jesus. Then the book of Acts that tell us about the beginning of the church. And then the Apostle Paul writes 13, probably 14 books to different individuals and churches. He's actually addressing them. And then, of course, there's James. He wrote a book, and Peter wrote a couple of books, and John wrote three books. And these were called epistles or letters. And then the book of Revelation. Now, the Revelation was, and of course, Jude. I almost missed Jude, but I saw Bonnie whispering Jude. So I didn't want to miss Jude. So he, th these are called epistles or letters to individuals and to churches, and then the book of Revelation, which is a, a book that John was told by an angel 
would be signified with signs, which is actually a demonstration of the great things that were going on during the life and death and the resurrection of Jesus. And what tremendous impact it should have. And it actually jars your senses to read the book of Revelation. But the, my point is that Lucy asked Charlie Brown, she said, have you ever read the epistles of Paul? And he said, you know, he said, I have, but I feel like I'm reading somebody else's mail. Well, that's because Paul was writing to different people. So, but when we're reading the book of Psalms, and David is talking to God. He's actually talking to God. It's not like he's offering a prayer and then saying, in the name of Jesus. He's not doing that. He's directing himself to God and he's speaking to God. And it's like we're in another room. And in, this, in the other room that we're standing next to, the door's open and we're hearing somebody talk, hearing one side of a conversation like somebody's on the phone and talking to someone that we can't see. But we're just hearing one side of the conversation. And that's what we're hearing when we look at the book of Psalms. David is talking to God and we're hearing what he's saying. We're listening to his conversation. Now, in the book of Psalms, David is going to be saying something in chapter 30 and that's what I want you to look at. And I'm going to look at the whole text for you to begin with because David is going to be asking God a question. He's going to ask God to let him live. He wants to live. That's what he's going to ask. Now in chapter 30, and, and the problem, what, what I want to say is this, that David is in a time of crisis and he's afraid he's going to die. And he's asking God, don't let me die. Now that's not an unusual request. When people are in a serious peril, they don't call on the local atheist to help them. They don't call on Charles Darwin to tell him something about evolution to help them. They don't ask for, for the writings of Madeline Murray O'Hare to the atheist to give them insurance what they're asking is they, they get on their knees and raise their hands and say God help me don't let me die in times of peril in times of distress when we're under physical intimidation we don't want to die and so we ask God now that's what David is going to do and we want to look at this now I want to, I want to start and, and just go through in this just 12 chapters I want to read from verse 1 through verse 12, and I'll make comments as we go through. He, sa he, sa he starts out at verse 1, he says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you've lifted me up. You've made my foes to rejoice over me. You have not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried unto you, and you heard me, you healed me. O Lord, you have brought me up, you have brought up my soul from the grave. You've kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. So he's saying, you've really taken care of me, Lord. I had problems before, but you, you solved these. Then he says, sing unto the Lord, O you saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. For His anger endures, but for a moment His favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And then he says, 
And in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. So things got good. And he said, while, while things are good, I won't be moved. He said, Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You did hide your face and I was troubled. Uh-oh. Everything was going well. And I said, you hid your face. I'm troubled. I've got problems again. I cried to you, O Lord. Unto the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood? Now that's our text. When I go down to the pit, shall the dust praise you? Shall it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy upon me. Lord, be my helper. You know what he's doing? He's, he's in danger and he's saying, I don't want to die. I, I don't want to die. Then he says at verse 11, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness to the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Now, when we, when we get into bad situations and we think we're going to die, we sometimes make promises. Lord, if you'll let me live, I'll start going to church again. Lord, let me live and I'll quit cussing. Please, Lord, let me live and I'll quit drinking. I'll quit gambling. I'll quit fornicating. I'll, I'll, I'll be a better person. I'll be nicer to my mate and my family. I'll just be a better person. Let me live. Please let me live. Now, you know what? David is not saying that here. This is interesting. David is not making those sorts of promises. Now, David's son, Solomon, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes 7 at verse 2, he says, It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. So he's saying it's better, not, it's better to go to a funeral than it is to go to a, to a party. Because he says that's the end of all, this, all living. So sometimes we soberly think about death and we face our mortality. David is not at that point. In his desperation, he's not saying, Lord, let me live and I will do these things. It's extremely interesting. David knew that his life was in the hands of God. Acts 17, 28, Paul said, In Him we live and move and have our being. So David knew that God was in control of his life. And Paul said, that's where we all are. We're, we're in God's hands. And yet David is saying at this point, he says, I'm not ready to go. Now, I want you to think about this just a minute. He was not an old guy. He was not drawing Social Security. He was not a member, a full member of AARP. He wasn't getting the bulletins. David was a man in the vigor of his youth. He was robust and active. He was healthy and he was strong. But he was in danger and he was afraid he was going to die. But he didn't want to go now. When I was a young preacher, I heard lots of preacher jokes. One of the jokes went something like this. and Somebody claimed that they had actually been part of that. A fellow was preaching one time and he was trying to lather the crowd up and get them interested in going to heaven. 
And so he's using every tool he could to, to enthuse the crowd and, and make them feel like they really wanted to live for God so that they could go to heaven. And there was one old cowboy in the back that wasn't, didn't seem to be moved by what he was saying. And so we'd ask the question every now and then, how many of you really love the Lord? Raise your hand. And the cowboy didn't. Everybody else did. The cowboy didn't. And then he, he kept, kept on and kept on, and he, he was trying to get to this guy. And finally he said, everyone that wants to go to heaven, stand up. And everybody stood up but the old cowboy. So he finally closed his sermon, and he was out front as preachers are wont to do, and everybody came by and told him what a great job he did. And the cowboy came by, and the preacher stopped him and said, he said, I'm just wondering, he said, don't you want to go to heaven? He said, sure I do. He said, well, why didn't you stand up when I asked? And the cowboy said, well, I thought you were getting up a busload now. And he said, he said, I don't want to go now. And that's the way we are. And that's what David said. I don't want to go now. That's what he's telling him. Now, and really, we're in, a, we're in a state of crisis. And most of us don't want to go now. Most of us have things that we want to do. And so we're going to ask God to, to extend our lives. Don't let us die now. Okay, now David is going to put it a little differently than we do. Sometimes we say, well, I don't want to go now, Lord. I want to see my children grow up. I want to see my grandchildren grow up. I want to go to the Holy Land and walk in the footsteps of Jesus. I want to go to every baseball arena in the United States. I want to, I, I want to see all the natural wonders of the world. I still have things I want to do. Now David didn't make, David didn't say, Lord, I don't want to die now because I would like to go to Mount Ararat and see, see if I can find the ark. He didn't say, I want to go down to Sinai and go into Egypt and go, go back up to the land of Goshen and walk where Moses walked. He didn't say that. He didn't say, Lord, keep me alive because I've got things I want to do. Now, that's not what he did. What he said was, I, I don't want to go, Lord. I don't want to die. And he made an argument that is really, really powerful. He made an appeal to God, and that's where the appeal is at verse 8. He says, I cried to thee, O Lord, and unto the Lord I made supplication. And he, he made a, what we call... A, an argument a priori. He said, what good will it do if I die? That's what he's asking the Lord. What will it benefit you, God, if I die? Now that's pretty bold, isn't it? He's not saying, Lord, keep me around so I can go to church again, so I can be a better person. He's saying, what good is my death? Why should I die? What profit is there, he says, in my blood? 
So he's, he's obviously the world that David was living in would be better off without blasphemers, with more blasphemers. It'd be better off without more idolaters. The world didn't need more alcoholics or more drug addicts, more thieves, more molesters, more criminals. David was not one of the bad guys. And he knew it. He knew it. He was one of the good guys. And he was reminding God, I am one of the good guys. What profit is there if I die? You know, if, if he dies, if he died, he, he, was, he was putting his case before the Lord that the, that the world and you, God, you're going to miss me if I die. I can't be of any benefit. There's no profit in me dying. There's profit in me living. So he's saying, I, Lord, I have value to you. Now that's bold, isn't it? As, as we progress through this, I, I want to try to make applications to my personal life. Would I have that sort of boldness to say, Lord, I'm valuable to you. I've got something to offer you. So what, what good would it do if I died? What profit is there in my blood? He's saying, Lord, I've got value. Paul said, I, I've got a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, he said, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul had a value to God, and he was saying, I'm staying because God needs me to help you. Now that's a little different than saying, I've, I want to go to Disneyland, so I don't want to die right now. I haven't been to, I, well, I've been to Disneyland, but I haven't been to Disney World. So I've got things I want to do. That's not what David is saying. He's not saying I've got things I want to do. I've got un, un, unfinished projects in my life. He's saying, I've got val my life has value to you, God. Wow, that's something for someone to say. And David is saying that to God, and I'm hearing it. I'm hearing what David is saying. I'm, I'm, I'm in on his talk, his conversation with God. And then he says, he asked God another question. He says, Shall the dust praise you? If I die, if I'm buried and my body turns to ashes, or if I'm cremated, I can't tell others about you. You see the argument he's making to God? Keep me alive, God, please. Keep me alive, O oh Lord. Because if I die, I can't praise you. And David certainly was in the habit of praising God. Again, he's not an old, decrepit, worn-out man that has no further value to God. He's not there. He is a young man. He's in the vigor of his youth. And he's saying, I have things I want to do for you. And if I'm not here, I can't do them. Well, Psalms chapter 30, verse 1, he says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. Psalms 145, and verse 1, he says, I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. So David is telling God, 
The, the grave is silent. My tombstone can't say a word. But if you let me stay around, I'm going to praise you. I will praise you. If I'm gone, I can't sing about you. Many's the time in, in the book of Psalms that David talks about singing and actually asks us to join in with him to sing praises to God. And he said in Psalms 104, verse 33, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I'll sing praise to my God while I have my being. Makes me think, well, does God want me singing? Well, He certainly does, doesn't He? He said, I'm supposed to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Teaching, making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's told, that, that's given, I've been given that instruction in Ephesians 5, 19, 20. So when I ask God to keep my life, keep me around, can I look at Him and say, Oh Lord my God, if I die, I can't sing praises to You. That's usually not what I say. I say, oh Lord, have mercy on me. Don't, don't let me die. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I, I don't want to die. David didn't say that. He said, if I'm dead, I can't sing to you. If I'm gone, I can't give you thanks. Psalms 116, verse 17, he says, I'll offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Colossians chapter 2 at verse 7, we should be abounding with thanksgiving unto the Lord. Now that's my value to God. I value, if I, if I were to approach God like David did, I'd say, Lord, if I die, I can't give you thanksgiving. That's what David's saying. If I'm gone, I can't uphold your holy name. Psalms 22, 22. He said, I'll declare your name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I'll praise you. And then, in Psalms 45, verse 1, he says, I'll make your name to be remembered in all the generations. Therefore shall the people praise you forever and ever. When I look at this and, and make the New Testament application to myself, I'm thinking, well, Lord, if you'll let me stay around, I'll confess your name before others. I'll tell other people about Jesus. And if I'm gone, I can't tell them. So, if, if I'm going to be like David in this, this thing, I'm going to have to be able to make that same declaration that, that I can praise you, God, if you'll just let me stay around, if you'll let me stay. But that's usually not why we're asking God to stay, is it? We're not asking Him to keep us here so we can praise Him. That's what David is saying. Okay. Then, he's telling the Lord, he says, if I'm gone, shall my death declare your truth? Can I, can I tell the world the truth about, about what you've done? He said in Psalms chapter 40, verse 10, David said, I have not hid your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not, I have not concealed your loving kindness. In 51, 13, he says, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. So now I'm thinking, Bill, if I'm going to ask God to keep me around, am I going to be confessing the name of Jesus? Am I going to be rebuking, reproving, and exhorting with all long suffering? 
Am I going to be telling the world about you? Am I going to be teaching the gospel? Am I going to teach my children about you? David said in Psalms 119, 16, I will delight myself in your statutes. I won't forget your word. So, God extended David's life. You know that? Uh, his reasons were pure and good. David's reasons were pure and they were good. Paul is an example of how God kept him alive and delivered him from certain death on a number of occasions in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 22-29. He talks about all the perils he went through. Why did God keep Paul around? Why didn't he let him go? Because he had something he wanted him to do. Now, I, I want to say something before we get too far along in this way. And that is that, that sometimes God lets us die. We die. It's obvious He does. And sometimes we wonder why. Well, it might very well be that we've finished our work. That we, we've finished it. We're, we're through. And that's what Paul said. He said in, in uh, Philippians or 2 Timothy chapter 4 and at verse 6, he says, I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. He says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at his appearing. Not to me only, but also all those who look for his appearing. So we have to be careful when we talk about what God is allowing and not allowing. Some people that we know, precious people, have died and we feel like they, they left early. In God's hands, these people may have very likely finished what God wanted them to do. Now then, am I going to ask God to keep me around? Save me, O Lord. Don't, am I going to do what David did? David said, Lord, what good is my grave? Well, if I don't have any value... If, if I'm adding to the problem and not to the solution, why would God want to keep me around? You see? But if I'm part of the solution, it may be that I've ended. I've done everything that God wants me to do. And He says, well, come on home now. It's over. That may be. And it could be at any time in, during our life. Now, if I want God to keep me around, then I have to make myself useful. That's, that was a statement I heard from the time I was a kid. When I uh, came upon people that were working, if I went into my mother's kitchen and I just stood around and got in the way, she would hand me a dish towel or a dish rag and say, make yourself useful. So why hang around? If I stood around outside somewhere where fellows were digging a ditch and just watched, somebody was liable to get up out of the ditch and hand me a shovel and say, make yourself useful. If I want to stay, like David, he said he wanted to stay. If I want to stay, then I need to make myself useful. I, I should not just be standing around taking up space. Make myself useful. I have value. I should have value. Is the world better off without me or with me? David knew himself. 
I'm not going to judge anyone, and you shouldn't judge anyone either, about their usefulness. But God will judge us. And David understood that he had a use for God. And so he made this plea. And his plea was, "Why the, the grave is silent. Why, why put me in the grave? I can't praise you there, and I can't talk about you there. I can't, I can't sing to you there. I can't teach people you there. I, keep me alive, Lord, because I am useful. So, if I want to stay around, maybe I ought to make myself useful. If we're part of the problem, what about my morals? If my morals are low, why would God want me around? Why would, why did he, why would he want me to stay? Why would he hear my prayer? Why would he, why would he say, okay, Bill, I'm going to let you hang around because you're foul-mouthed. And, and you, can, you, can, uh, tell, you can teach your kids how to use bad language. How about my priorities? My participation in spiritual things, my attitude... Is the world better off with me or without me? That's the issue that we have to face personally. I have to look at that. And if I'm going to ask God to keep me around, then I have to make myself useful to Him. I don't have to say, well, Lord, keep me around because I want to finish a project I've got going. I'm not ready to go yet. I have places to see, places to go. Make my if I want God. Now I'm, I'm just talking about God, not about anything else. If I want my Father in Heaven to let me stick around, then I need to make myself useful to Him. Teach my children. Be a good person. Set a good moral example. Stand tall for the Lord. Tell people about Jesus. It's a lame excuse. And it's one David was not seeking God's pity. He wasn't saying, well, people are really going to miss me when I'm gone and I'll show them. You know, there's an old story too about a tombstone where the tombstone has engraved on it this fellow who was, who was a problem all of his life and, and he finally took his own life and got out. And, he, and he, on the tombstone he says, uh, now, now aren't, you so, aren't you sorry that you treated me bad? So he was actually looking for pity for his life and he took his life in order to punish people because they didn't treat him right. Well, that's a selfish attitude. They'll be sorry when I'm gone. Well, that's true. But the only people that are forgotten earlier are the people who make life miserable for their family and friends. Those are the people that we regret, we regret seeing go. Because they actually did not produce anything that was good and valuable while they were here. Now, we're in a crisis. Oh Lord, please save us. Keep us. Don't, don't let us die. Well, all, all of us are going to die one of these days. We're going to get old and die. David was not old. When he's talking to God, he was, he was a young, vibrant guy. And he was full of energy and, and strength. So, we're not talking about someone who's just has one foot in their grave and getting ready to slip in the other side because that person may be through. God may be through with them. We're talking about the person who says, well, I don't have any value in life. 
So, God, God can't use me. That's what takes us to the next point. You know what David said after he asked God to, to keep him there? He said, he said, have mercy upon me, Lord. Be my helper. Show me what I need to do. Now, if I don't think I can do anything for God, what I need to do is, is offer a bold prayer. And that prayer is, Lord, give me something to do for you. Watch out. Because if you ask for that, you know what's going to happen? God is going to give it to you. If you say, Lord, give me an opportunity to teach someone about Jesus. You get, better get yourself ready because he's going to send somebody around for you to teach. Isn't that something? If, if you ask God, give, give me an opportunity. Use me, Lord. Well, how about just being a good, 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 decent person? Freeing yourself from sin. Making your life right before God. Blessing others. Make them happy. Read your Bible to your children. Read your Bible to your grandchildren. Make yourself indispensable like David did. David said, I have value. Lord, you should keep me. And God did. James 1 at verse 5 and 6 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. Get wisdom. To do what? To figure out where your value lies as an individual and what value you have to others. It is, it, again, I want to say, it's a lame excuse to say, well, I'm ready to check out because I don't have any value. Then make yourself useful. Ask God to help you to show you what you can do for Him. And God help you do that. Thank you.